0: You're listening to the Bible Teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Our reading today is from Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. more than that we also rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received reconciliation therefore just as, in sin, as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned for sin indeed was in the wor- world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from adam to moses even over those who so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came into the law came into increase the trespass, but where sin is increased grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, because of the darkness and the way that the stage lights are shining, you can see me, but I can't see you. I see silhouettes of wonderful people. Uh, On behalf of Reality Church, we'd like to thank you to our Good Friday service. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, We also want to welcome you and, and ask you, rather, to come back on Easter to hear the conclusion of the things that we're talking about tonight. Now, there's a story told about A historic figure named Alexander the Great. One day this conquering king was holding court and a young man was brought before him and this young man had been found guilty of being a coward in the battlefield. And so Alexander sitting on his throne, he asks the man, he says, what's your name? And quietly and reluctantly he responds, Alexander, sir. Excuse me? I asked for your name, and he says, My my name is also Alexander. And the story goes that the king stepped off his throne, he approached him, and he sternly says, Well, then change your life or change your name. In other words, you better figure out how to deserve a name like my name because no failure like you can have a name like mine. Now, let's be honest, this is well, I think a lot of us approach faith this way. That our justification for life, what gives our life's meaning and worth and a sense of belonging and being worthy to be identified with Jesus, it's determined by how well we represent Jesus. But the gospel tells us something entirely different. The gospel tells us that our justification, our what gives our lives meaning and worth, what makes us worthy to belong and able to be identified with Jesus is not determined by how well we represent him, but based completely on how well Jesus represented us. That's what this portion of the book of Romans is focusing on our representation. No matter who you are, where you're from, what you believe, whether you're a child or an adult, Paul just told us that you right now, right this moment, are currently being represented, for better or for worse, by one of two people, Adam or Jesus. Adam is the representative of the old humanity that's marked by sin and condemnation and death. It's a kingdom A regime under the reign of death. And then there's Jesus, who is the representative of a new humanity that is marked by forgiveness, and grace, and righteousness, and life. This this is a regime under the reign of life. Now, because we live in an extremely individualistic society, we are going to struggle to grasp the significance of what Paul is saying here, to really grasp what is called corporate solidarity, which means who you are, your identity, your fate, your future, even your standing before God, isn't just based on your own personal choices. It's not based on your own personal actions. You, whether you like it or not, are part of something, or more specifically, someone bigger than yourself. We are not masters of our own destiny. We are tied. We're tied to someone. And Paul narrows it down to very simple terms. You are either in Adam, which is the default setting of all humanity, or you're in Jesus. You are either condemned and dying on account of what Adam has done, or you're justified and you are living on account of what Jesus has done. I think probably the closest thing we have to illustrating this representation is found in the storyline of the Hunger Games. As you know, every year each of the 12 districts must select a male and female tribute to represent their district in the Hunger Games and the fight to the death. And only one surviving victor comes home and returns home with all of the gifts and spoil and honor as the representative of their district. As the story goes on, this young Primrose is selected for District 12 to go to this battle and yet in an act of love and sacrifice, Katniss volunteers to take her place. She literally steps into the fight to do what Prim could not and to represent her people. Now we have something very very similar in the famous story in the bible of david and goliath i'm sure no matter who you are you've at least heard portions of this story in first samuel we're told that the philistines came to battle the the nation of israel and the philistines were on one hill and israel was on another and there was a valley between them and this figure goliath this famous notorious giant warrior beast comes forward and he calls out to Israel and he says this in 1 Samuel 17, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we, all of us, will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us, all of you. See how that works? Everyone's fate was sealed by these two representatives, whether for victory or defeat. And as we know, eventually this future king comes and defeats him with his sling and his stone. But when we read this story, we need to remember that we are not David in the story. See, oftentimes, we treat this story as a lesson of bravery and going and being courageous and slaying our giants. That's, that's not the purpose of the story. Who are we in the story? We're not David. We are the fearful people on the hillside shaking in our boots, desperately needing someone to boldly step into the valley to represent us well. And, and that, that is exactly what Good Friday is all about. Jesus, our very unlikely king, sacrificially steps forward to the cross as our representative to bring us out from underneath the tyranny of sin and death and into his kingdom of life, into his new humanity. What Romans 5 explains here is really Why Jesus' death was necessary and and why we needed saving. And really, here's the kicker. How one single event 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world with one person could somehow save us today. How one person's actions would save countless men and women throughout all generations. It's quite the claim. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at this passage under just two very simple headings. Death in Adam, life in Christ. First, death in Adam. Look with me again in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Now, if you're familiar with the Netflix series, Stranger Things, which I'm pretty sure you are, there's the gate. It's also known as the rift. And this is the doorway to the upside down. And the upside down is this gross, life-sucking, other dimension, which is just dark and decayed. It looks like ours, but it's very clearly not our world. And, And throughout the story, there's the shadow monster called the Mind Flayer. And it uses this gate as a way to pass between the worlds in order to spread the sort of toxic growth of the upside down into our world, invading life with the reign of death. Spoiler alert, 11, uh, the hero of the story seeks to close the gate, sacrifices herself to close that gate to the upside down. I think this is a helpful way to envision what paul is describing here sin has made its entry into the world through one man this was the gate this was the rift that was opened into life genesis tells us that adam uh, was commissioned to cultivate the garden his job was to spread the life of God into the world or, or, or quite literally to Edenize the world to take what they had in the garden and to spread it out but as we know he failed and he disobeyed God and because of it he actually accomplished the very opposite death entered in because of sin and this was just as God had promised they were told man and woman were told in Genesis 2 for in the day that you eat of it the tree, you shall surely what? Die. And as a result, death spread to all because all sinned. Paul tells us in Romans 5 verse 15, many died through one man's trespass. See that representation there? Many died because of one man's trespass. What does that mean? It means both spiritual death, but it also means physical death. It became the fate of of mankind, look around. We're surrounded by death. We feel the aches and pains, and we see the sights of death all around us. And now, from Adam to Moses, and now to the present, we, you know, we're, we're, where there's religion and where there's no religion, regardless, death is reigning. Now, As we look around, do we have social issues that we have to work through? Yeah. Do we have issues of economic instability and and a deeply divided nation and this, you know, ongoing issue of deep-seated racism in our nation and and ongoing injustice and and a mental health crisis on our hands and global pandemics that we need to figure out how to stop and to, to avoid in the future. Yes, yes, yes. We, we are dealing with all these things as humanity, but we have to identify the deeper issue. We have to identify the root system. We have to identify, if I may borrow from Stranger Things, the rift that needs closing. Christians aren't blind to what's going on in the world, but Christians are the ones that look deeper beneath the surface. Without understanding this, without grasping this, the cross makes no sense, none. D.A. Carson said, if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent us an economist. If he perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor, but he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, and our death. And so what did he do? He sent us a savior. He sent us Jesus. Now, the point of Romans 5 is not necessarily to highlight sin we're not here to highlight sin but it is the helpful backdrop to all that we're talking about tonight and I think what Paul is getting at in this passage is really what he wants us to do is to see the contrast between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of Adam and 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 really to grasp that although Adam really did seal our fate Jesus secures our rescue and our freedom which leads us secondly to life in Christ What we see here is what John Owen, a theologian from the past called uh, the death of death in the death of Christ. In other words, the only way to put death to death was through death. In the gospels we read that uh, at the cross, Jesus went toe to toe with death itself. In order to break us free from its reign and what romans 5 shows us is that jesus isn't just this like compelling figure in history that's now inspiring us by his willingness to sacrifice we are not here to be inspired We don't gather on Good Friday to just look at the cross to be inspired by this historic figure that sacrificed for us. No, Paul tells us that Jesus is the second and greater Adam who forever represents us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. We are here to remember that though Adam failed us, Jesus at the cross prevailed. And he defeated death and sin and Satan in our place so that we may stand in his victory today. You may not feel very victorious. I don't feel very victorious today, but we stand here in the victory of Christ. So let's contrast, um, let's contrast the ministry of Jesus with the ministry of Adam real quick. God tells Adam, obey me concerning this tree and you will live. And yet Adam disobeys. God tells Jesus, obey me concerning this tree. Which tree? The cross. And many will live. And he obeys. Adam insists, my will be done. Jesus insists, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Father. Adam ran and he And he hid, and he tried to cover up his shame and his nakedness. And yet Jesus was stripped naked and willingly bore our shame. Adam sinned, and yet still God pursued him. Jesus was absolutely sinless, and yet he was totally forsaken by God. Adam the coward cried out against Eve, blaming her, saying, God, this woman that you gave me, she made me do it. Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Adam, through his tree, ushers in death. Jesus, through his tree, ushers in death. We have life because of Jesus. Look with me in verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a theme or a phrase that is repeated three times if you are paying attention in this portion of Scripture it's much more much more all the more and what Paul is showing us is that the work of Jesus is always going to overwhelm and outpace the work of Adam much more Jesus didn't just come and die on the cross to bring us back to a place of neutrality like Humpty Dumpty that fell off and now he repairs us and he patches us up like we sinned and he came to to take our sin away. No, he goes above and beyond. He he makes us righteous. This is what was prophesied of in the book of Isaiah. Speaking of Jesus, out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. The cross, the cross is where Jesus not only took our worst, the cross is where Jesus gave us his best. And and you know what makes Good Friday so great? You know why we call it Good Friday? It's a good Friday because at the cross, we see that Jesus's ability to heal our life is greater than anyone's ability to wreck it. Let me say that again to you. Jesus's ability to heal your life is greater than anyone's ability to wreck it. Adam's, your own, anyone else's. the free gift, Paul tells us, is not like the trespass. This isn't apples to apples here. It's a quite different thing. The effects of the cross are always going to be greater than the effects of sin. Sin is devastating. I hope you've gathered that by now. Sin is destructive. Sin is tearing our world, our lives. Our families, this microphone apart. (laughs) But grace is better. Grace is better. I don't know if I can say that any more emphatically. Grace is greater. And, And Paul tells us where sin increases, the promise is that grace abounds all the more. So, I want to conclude by asking this question. Who represents you? This isn't theoretical stuff here. This is is where this message has to impact us. And, And the person next to you can't answer this for you. Who is representing you? John Stott said, so then whether we are condemned or... Justified, whether we are spiritually alive or dead. It depends on which humanity we belong to, whether we still belong to the old humanity or the new humanity that has been initiated by Christ. And I want you to know tonight that the good news is that you can. I mean this, you can tonight and forever join this new humanity. And here's how, by, by simply looking to this crucified Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you to represent me. Jesus, I need you to represent me better than Adam has, better than I have, better than anyone else has. I confess to you the sin that I've both inherited and chosen for myself. And I recognize your free gift of salvation. And I simply receive it now by faith. The free gift of Paul Calls. That is ours through faith. Here's my prayer for us tonight as a church community and really for our city. That grace would reign in this place. That grace would reign in our families grace would reign in our brokenness, that grace would reign in our lives. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.